Hi and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with Najahi Events. If you don't know who Najahi are, go check them out. It's Arabic for my success. Najahi as an events organisation bring talented speakers, uh, industry leaders across from all parts of the world to share the Dubai audience with these fantastic people. So go check them out in Najahi Events. You'll find them on Instagram and other good social media places. Right, moving on. Okay, today's episode of the podcast, I get to interview an entrepreneur from New York that sold his first company for $10 million when he was just in his early 20s. Sports nutrition has been his area of expertise. When he was 17 years old, he started his first company, even though his dad wanted him to carry on and finish university. Mustafa Kawaja, good friend of mine, recently married an even better friend of mine, and he's got a really interesting story to tell, along with teaching us all about the opportunities that exist in Dubai when you come from somewhere like New York. So before we waste any more time talking about it, and I tell you all the punchlines and the juicy stuff, cue the music, let's crack on with the Spencer Lodge podcast. Mustafa, welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm really glad that you decided to willingly and, and, and so, so just encouragingly decide to come and join us today. Yeah, I'm so excited. I think I was tricked by my wife, though. Do you? Yeah. Now, why would you think you were tricked by your wife? Because she told me she was going to be in this. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. She's, well, she's always trying to get the attention, though, isn't she? She wants to be the yeah. star of the show. And what, so if she was in the, the episode together with you, then you'd just sit in the background, let her do the talking, and that's how you'd like it. Yeah, yeah, let her do most of the talking, and I just kind of come in when I need to. All right, fair enough. Well, it's not going to be like that today. Okay. I have had the good fortune of getting to meet you. You got married recently, obviously, to my buddy Sarah and your wife. And... Uh, having a chance to meet you at the wedding, I don't, I don't think it's a, a, a great example of a place to get to know someone, is it? You know, you're busy doing your formalities and stuff. So, and then afterwards, I met you and got to know a bit more about you. But I don't really know, my audience don't really know a huge amount about your your journey in business. And now, from New York, yes, born and raised in New Jersey. Born and raised in New Jersey. So, do you consider yourself to be? one of those typical, you know, we see the stereotypical American entrepreneurial kind of mindsets and types that you see a lot in the social media. Do you consider yourself to be a, a little bit like that or a lot like that? No. Okay. Not at all. Why? I stay out of the social media scene. You do? Mostly. I mean, now I'm forced to because of my wife, but... And do you think that social media is uh, as, as a tool has benefited you at all in business or you just kept away from it, period? I don't think, like... Instagram has helped me in any way, but I think LinkedIn has helped me, yeah. Okay, how? Just meeting more CEOs, more, uh, more entrepreneurs, more people like me, and we work together. Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? No. Oh, really? Not at all, yeah. So what did you, what did you, what's your dad's past? What did he do? And your brothers and stuff? Um, so my dad actually came to America and he was a janitor. Oh, really? Yeah. He was a janitor in a pharmaceutical company that his brother used to work in, his older brother. And I think my dad had just gotten married. He wanted to do something new with his life, you know, support, you know, my mom and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. he moved to the States. He got a job as a janitor. And I think like five years later, he got a job in that same pharmaceutical company as, as a biopolymist. So my dad retired from one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies as, as a biochemist. 
Oh, wow. And so was he passionate about you guys getting a great education and that, that kind of typical kind of South Asian mentality? I think it? when you're Indian and Pakistani, us being Pakistan, but it's, it's the same culture, I think they care most about education. Because even when I started my you know, first business at 17, I was following my passion. My dad was like, the only way I'll ever help you or anything like that is if you finish your college first. He's like, I don't care if you're making a billion dollars a year, you have to have a degree. Because that's kind of our mentality. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, you have to be a doctor, a lawyer, or, or something like that. How but, did you deal with that at the time, though? Because you've got this entrepreneurial spirit and you're kind of building businesses, but dad wants you to do something that essentially goes against the grain of what you naturally want to do. Yeah, my dad wanted one of his five kids to be a doctor. Unfortunately, none of us became a doctor. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, my two older sisters, they were, you know, educated and they got married and they had good jobs. But with us sons, and I'm the second youngest son, so there's three boys. Yeah. I'm the middle boy. The uh, older son, he kind of was always into like Asian studies and history. So my dad kind of gave up on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but with me and my younger brother, we were more like, you know, I guess a little bit better at school. And he wanted me to become a lawyer, my younger brother. But I guess we made him happy by just getting our degrees. Because if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't have finished. Because I started at 17, my first company. I followed my passion, um, which was a small nutrition store. So, so t- tell me about it. So, so it's a, a shop? Yeah, a small shop. So you basically then that nutrition, you're really into nutrition. So I was born in a very small town and in New Jersey. It was only a mile long, I think, the entire town. So. I opened up a nutrition store right in front of my post office. So I remember I was 17 years old. I used to work out a lot. So when I went to the gym, people used to ask me like, hey, can you help me like work out? What supplements do you use? And at that point, I think I was, you know, spending so much money on a monthly basis buying these products. So I finally, you know, it's, it's not easy to ask your dad to help you invest, especially when you're like very middle class and, you know, it's, it's just not who they are. They like to work for someone and, and make like a salary, you know? So I somehow just, you know, forced him to, you know, put the money in into the store. And I think back then Amazon was getting popular. So in the States, Amazon is huge. You know, back then, I think, uh, what was it? 13 years ago now, you can sell like your own family on Amazon. It was, everything was legal, it was allowed. So we started just doing more, I guess, revenue and one day on Amazon and online that we did a month in our store. And the post office were right across the street, so I used to just put everything in a big bag, lug it over, and go into college at the same time. I remember I got an internship on Wall Street when I was 19, and because uh, I was doing forensic accounting in my education, and got into the Wall Street scene and started learning more about like investments and stocks and trading, because I had my Series 65, which is financial advising. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where I get my entrepreneurial, but also kind of like my stocks and investment background, because I did that for three years at the same time. And to be honest, I hated the Wall Street scene because it wasn't working the 100 hours a week. It was everybody was just not who I wanted to become when I was older. Mercenary. And not even that, but like how they think about life and family. Okay. Um, you know, me, I'm very family oriented. So... Seeing that our, you know, I remember our Christmas party was at a strip club. So okay. for Wall Street. Yeah. And we worked for Mayor Bloomberg, okay. you know, so it was a big, it was a big firm. I didn't go. Um, 
But I just didn't want to become one of these people, you know, like they get married, they barely see their families, they have kids, but then they're doing all these crazy things. So I, I just made a decision. I, I learned from it. Um, and I think I was 23 at that point. And then the following year, I was kind of depressed. I was like, because I saw all my friends making a ton of money. Because you, you make a lot of money yeah. on Wall Street. Uh-huh. You know, my friends were 23 making four, 500,000 a year. So mm-hmm. you make a lot of money. So I kind of was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, it's not for me, but I still had my business that I was pursuing actively because it was online at that point mostly. And then the following year, I sold my first company for $10 million. $10 million. Wow. So it was, it was and exciting. What, what was that company? It was actually my whole entire online exporting that I started from nutritional products. So what I did from there is, I think I was 24 then, um, I started my own uh, private equity uh-huh. investment company. I started, I guess the more successful you become and you're like a hero in your small town, everybody just brings you their business ideas and then they start just hitting you on a daily basis. And I started investing. Um, and you started investing in different companies. Did you, did you stay focused on similar industries to what you knew or were some of those, those, those opportunities far out? So I've invested into over 40 companies to this day. Out of those 40, I probably own seven myself. And those seven are mostly health and wellness because I always believe that people should stick to what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, my expertise, my, my network is mm-hmm. health and wellness and mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the biggest industries in the world. You know, so I've had multiple brands. I've even invested in manufacturing facilities, um, fulfillment facilities. We have a huge marketing advertising firm. That's why our businesses do so well. Um, because we're all about Facebook advertising, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, all that. Mm-hmm. And we do well with that. You mentioned the other day when we were chatting on WhatsApp the, or, or Instagram, um, Spotify, uh, Shopify, sorry. Shopify, yeah. Tell me about what you do with Shopify. So my one company, Sparta Nutrition, is uh, top 500 Shopify's in the country right now. So Tell me what that means. So basically, there's tens of thousands. Okay. So basically what it means is the amount of traffic that comes to your website. That's, that's how they say um, you're one of the top 500. But we're the top 1% Shopify client that was basically created in the same month and everything like that. So if there was a thousand businesses that were made on the same day as us on Shopify, we're in the top 1%. Um, and it's all, it's all from advertising. We've, we've learned so much. Um, a few of my competitors in the industry, they did well, they failed. And they failed because I guess they were growing too much and they made some mistakes. So luckily one of those brands failed and it was only 45 minutes away, so we ended up hiring a lot of their staff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's, it's been good for us. We, I know I think Mark Cuban says this, but I, but I always say hire fast, fire faster. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I do. I'm not the favorite probably boss with my employees because <laughs> somebody's got to be firm, you know? Yeah. Very lenient, and I treat everybody like a family that works for me, but in New York, we have a different work ethic. He expects a lot from people. Not expect a lot. We, um... I don't think a lot of people here in the UAE do this, but we incentivize our employees. Mm-hmm. I don't give people equity in my companies, but I give them equity in what they do. So, for example, if they're doing um, marketing, I'll give them a small piece of revenue that comes in from the website, uh-huh. profits. Uh-huh. Um, same thing with if you do international sales or domestic sales, or if you're just doing a different business. I always give people equity in what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. consistently mm-hmm. so they feel like they have a piece of the brand they care about it mm-hmm. you know for us you come in at nine and you work until five that's kind of like the law mm-hmm. um but my guys come in at eight and they leave at eight or nine at night 
So that's how you committed then, aren't they? Yeah, it's a family. The better the business does, everybody's doing well out of it. And when you look at that business that you first started, you say you started at 17. When you go back to that time, if you had your time again, what would you what would you do differently? I don't think I would do anything differently. Really? No. Because I always tell people, follow your passion. Because, you know, it's it's not like it's always been successful. There's been a lot of bumps. Um, you know, you fail so many times, but then you pick back up and you try harder. And that's because you love what you do. If it was something that I didn't, like, let's say if I, become a, I became a lawyer or a doctor and for some reason, like, something didn't go right, I, I wouldn't be happy with myself, you know? Be like, oh, I, I screwed up or anything like that. But you're stuck. I don't want to be stuck. I, I know with what I do, I'm basically in control. Mm-hmm. I can wake up tomorrow and just do something differently if I want. Do you, do you, that, that, the thought of going to work for somebody else must give you shivers then compared no, it's, to being your own boss. See, a lot of people have pride and ego with that. I don't. I don't really talk about what I do with people. Um, you know, a lot of people, they walk into a room, they make it known like their CEO, their boss. Yeah. Or I have a seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure company. I don't do that because it's just not me. So for me working for myself, it's not because I'm scared to work for somebody else. It's, I just love the fact that I can be a leader and just have so many people that, you know, I support, you know, and their families and, you know, it's, it's, it's all, I don't know, man, it's hard to explain. <laughs> when you, when you, do you ever give advice to young entrepreneurs yourself? Do you ever take the time to help them on their journey? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the only reason I like my social media right now. Um, you know, sometimes I do the whole question thing and a lot of people keep asking me like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I, I want to do this. Do you have advice? And my wife gets mad at me because I'm just sitting there like answering hundreds of people. <laughs> but that's the only reason that I see I can bring benefit to my, my audience is yeah. I want to help them. I don't want them to feel like, oh, I can't do it. I started from scratch. I don't come from a rich family. Um, not at all, actually. You know, I have typical immigrant parents that came from, my dad was born in the poorest parts of Pakistan and, you know, survived, you know, paycheck to paycheck. So if you ask me what I'm most proud of today is that I support my parents. Um, I bought them a house when I was 26. Wow. So that's, that's what I'm most proud of. Um, and I just make them know that they have no worry whatsoever when it comes to, you know, anything financially because they already went through the struggles to get us to where we are. Mm-hmm. And us five children, we're, uh, four of us are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and the other one is a general manager. Uh, no, she's somebody big at Microsoft. Yeah, your, your sister won't be overly happy and you're not knowing exactly what her job is. I don't. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you look at, uh, when I hear the word entrepreneur, nowadays from lots of people that approach me and kind of use that term almost like they've taken ownership of it, I, I, I get a little bit frustrated now because I think a lot of people want to be and it's kind of sexy to be an entrepreneur, but actually being an entrepreneur is a really tough thing to do. It's a, it's, it's a really tough world to live in. But also the true meaning of the word entrepreneur is different to think what a lot of people think it is. There's lots of wantrepreneurs. I, I was going to say wantrepreneurs, yeah. yeah. It just goes back to social media. I feel like it gives you the ability to be anything. Um, most people don't even have a business and they'll go on Instagram and put entrepreneur. It's, it's just the day and age that we live in. But 
to me, an entrepreneur is somebody who's failed. And then, you know, from the failures, they've learned and they've built something bigger and then bigger and bigger. Most entrepreneurs, I think I read somewhere, 90% of them fail and they just want to do something else in life. Mm-hmm. It's only that 5 to 10% that actually know what it what it means. The struggles. Well, I'm, I'm a lot older than you. They weren't called entrepreneurs when I was a kid. They were called solo business owners or one-man <laughs> bands. Yeah. So, And most of those, or sole contractors, most of those people went bust anyway. Yeah. When you when you look at the your path to success, do you have in your daily routine non-negotiables in what you do? Is it, do you have you know the things that are habits that you do every day that you don't negotiate with? I'll give you an example. So I'm I'm up like stupid o'clock at four thirty in the morning to be in the gym at five. That's me. Yeah. yeah? So that's my non-negotiable. It doesn't I don't care where I'm going, what I'm doing. I do that every day because I have sold myself. On the fact that that makes me more alert, more engaged, more um, um, uh, just better at what I do during the day. I wish I could do that. What? what do I, you... I see your Instagram every morning at four thirty. Because sometimes I'm going to sleep at that time when I'm in Dubai. <laughs> and, and you're in New York. Oh no, in New York I, I see it all the time because okay. that's like six seven p.m. But um, when I'm in Dubai, I've been because of the time difference. I've been sleeping at four, and I see you waking up and going to the gym. I'm like this guy's crazy. Um, <laughs> But it's amazing because it, it keeps you focused. When I'm constantly going to the gym, I try to go more so like after work because I already wake up at like... But do, do, do you have a set time? Do you say, right, my, my, my gym time is kind of like eight till nine or that's when I go or six till seven every day? Do you kind of have a ritual around that? Yeah, so I wake up at the same time every day. I don't have an alarm clock. It's just like a biological thing. Um, then I just sit down with uh, on my phone. I go through all my emails with my coffee. Very basic with that stuff. But I think the one thing that I do different is I, I write a lot, but I don't write with like my computer. I'm, I'm a handwriter. Um, so I have like a little journal. And what I do on there is I like to do weekly goals, monthly goals, and then I like to do quarterly goals. And in a, in, in a paperback journal? In a paper, yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm not much of a techie guy. Yeah. Like I love to write things down. And do you write it really kind of like really neatly as you put it in? No, no, no. My handwriting is not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I think it's good enough for me to understand. And do you um, do that every day? I try to do it at least a few days a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's what I do when I first get to my office. I think it's very important for us to challenge ourselves. And the only way to challenge ourselves is by writing down goals. My goals might be a little like crazy, but even if I hit like half of it or a fraction of it, and I think that's good. And my goals are not monetary. Okay. Yeah. Health? Or? No. It's just business success. I don't equate money with success. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think money is, is life, money is everything. No. I feel like the people who think the most about money, it just doesn't come. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like if you actually want to make a change um, and you want to benefit people and, and just have a successful company, money will come with it. And, Unfortunately. So, okay, you've just opened a can of worms there, so I'm going to dig into it a little bit. When you set a goal, okay, that's a business-related goal, it's not financial, so I completely agree with that. Give me an example of maybe a goal you set in the past or a goal that you've got in your books right now, okay, in terms of business. You know, just, just, just frame it a little bit. It doesn't have to be specific, but just, just frame it a bit so we can get a better understanding. Yeah, I think my goals right now are just to shift a little bit of my like businesses internationally into this region. Um, especially since I just got married and my wife lives there. So I've, this is the first time I've been back in two months since I got married. So I'm trying to obviously want to settle down and start like, you know, more of a family and stuff. So 
I'm trying to actually launch a few companies out here, invest in some out here, so I'm in the talk. So I think that's one of my quarterly goals because that doesn't happen overnight. Um, but my, my goals can be even me related. Like I want to go to the gym more, I want to spend more alone time, you know? Because for me, I think it's very important for entrepreneurs to be alone sometimes. Just, just have like an hour or two hours a day by yourself because you get to just focus on yourself and your health, just everything. So that's what I'm big on. Just thinking time. Yeah. I love driving by myself. I used to um, have an hour drive to my office last year because I was stupid and I wanted to get a nice fancy apartment uh, by the water in New York City. So I did that for a year and my drive was an hour, get struck in traffic. I hated it, but I loved it because it was a chance for me not to be surrounded by employees or family. And not that there's anything wrong with it, but it takes away from you. Uh-huh. That's a really honest thing to say. Yeah. I, I, I have a very similar. So as you're saying, it, it really kind of leans into me. Yeah, I, I get I love bombarded. To, okay. Like, if, obviously you go home, you, you love everybody. Of course. But then you get bombarded with like emotions and, and let's do this, let's do that. Same thing at the office. As soon as I walk in, everybody from every department wants to, hey, I'm, I'm working on this. Do you like it? I'm working on that. Or look at this. And I love all that too, right? Because I love that everybody is just, you know, working hard. But it takes away from you. And when you have that alone time, you get to focus on different things that you want to do. Actual growth. Because you're not growing when you're just handling day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. So that's how I think. And so do you, tr- do you try and make that, that every day, that couple of hours or an hour at least? Just yeah. d- and is it reading or is it just thinking? For me, it's not really reading, but it's thinking. Yeah. Because I'm always reading like when you're working, you know? Um, But to me, alone time could be even sitting in the car and listening to music. Mm -hmm. And you just jam out by yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll never jam out in front of anybody, but I'll do it by myself. (laughs) But that that to me is is fun. I was caught doing that yesterday. You're always doing it. (laughs) I was literally singing my heart out in the car at the traffic lights by the, um, near the address hotel. But you were singing at my wedding too. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was fun. That's interesting that you say that about thinking because for me, I actually like to travel alone. So I do too. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Because for me, the best time, first of all, my wife um, seems to go into airports and want to spend a lot of time in an airport before getting on a plane, which I don't. I don't, I don't enjoy airports. Yeah, me either. And I don't, I don't get on planes. You know, there's lots of people in the olden days used to see people talking to each other on the plane. I'm not one of those people. All right, I don't talk to anyone. You don't? No. You're so talkative though. I know, but on a plane, that's my, that's my time. So I just literally, uh, I, I go into the airport as late as I possibly can. I don't talk to anyone. I get on the plane, I don't talk to anyone, and I get to the other end. And I'm, and I'm in that time, that I'm, Anna will be, um, so um, we're traveling on this day. And I'm like, well, no, you are. I've got to go a day before because I've got a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I, I get such um, energy from being able to do that. It's just important to be alone sometimes. You know, there's nothing wrong with being with your wife and traveling. I love it. You know, my wife always falls asleep the entire time. <laughs> Starts drooling on me and stuff. I can't feel my arm because we're usually traveling to America, you know. Um, but it's just, it's again, it's amazing to be alone sometimes. It's just really think about everything. And you, you put things really in. It's just, I don't know. It's good. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain it too much. I don't know, but, I, I, but I think you get it. Mm. I think uh, self-time is the best time. So after your 
you're years and years in the States, coming to spend time in Dubai over here. How does the business landscape look to you here compared to how it was in New Jersey and New York? I th so the way I look at international in general is I feel like every country is five to ten years behind the States. Um, so I, I think me coming from the States and having you know, expertises and just experiences, I think I can add value. Um, so that's what I'm excited about. For example, the nutrition market. There's certain trends that you see that the United States will do first. Um, collagen, for example, is one of them. It's, it's massive right now. But you don't really see it getting big in Dubai or just anywhere in general. It takes a few years. So those are some things that I'm kind of interested in and seeing I can make a change. But, um, you know, it's, for example, uh, I've also never seen a manufacturing facility for nutraceuticals here. I don't know if there's one. I don't think there's one. So that's one thing that I might ah, be interested in doing. Okay. So, you know, I already have contracts with some pretty big places here and we'll see. It might be exciting. And do you think that, uh, I, and I, what you're saying is not something that we haven't heard that many times before. The States is always five, ten years ahead in, in most things. And, and I think even the UK is not as advanced. I think they're still a few years behind the, the US in many aspects. And I, you do notice it being here when you go across to the States, how, how much is missing here. That's, for an entrepreneur like you, that's, that's, that's a guy walking around rubbing his hands together going, exactly. oh, look at what I've got going on here. So when, when I came here the first time, I can't really explain it, but Dubai felt more like home than New Jersey, New York ever has. And wow. Yeah, I, did, I actually didn't even know my wife then. I met her two months after. So I was like, I, my brother was with me and I was like, I'm going to move her one day. And Shut, Really? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then I met her a few months later, but it's the culture. You know, coming from a Muslim background, you don't have the, the Muslim culture in the States. You know, you're fasting, all your employees are eating around you. Um, you know, even with the mosque, it's different. And, you know, over here, when the prayer is going on, you hear the, you know, the azan Coach going prayer, on. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful to me. Um, but also, on top of all that, the cherry is opportunity. I see so much opportunity here to take advantage of. For people who've been in business for so long, obviously you too. You, you know, you were born and raised, you know, in the West. And you know what UK and USA is doing well at, and you can take advantage of it mm -hmm. and do it better here. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, exactly. One of, the, one of my most successful businesses is lent on what we learned in the States yeah. and that they didn't have here. Exactly. So right. I'm trying to find the holes or the gaps that nobody's touching yet. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, the, the, the most exciting businesses are the ones that are disruptive. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on one right now, actually, that I'm so excited about. I think it's going to be disruptive. Um, actually a few of them. I'm, I'm doing everything with my wife. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm just excited. Are you sitting going to tell me you're working on one that's disruptive and you're not going to give me any idea about it? No, I'll tell you off camera. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to fruition, will you come back on the show and share that what's happened and, yeah, and take course. us back to that and then, yeah. Yeah. One that I'll talk about that I'm doing with my wife right now. It's, it's more of a, like a lovey dovey business, um, is when I was trying to propose to her, in America, like when you want to do a proposal, you find so many companies, right? You go on a website, it gives you like packages. Because us men, we're not creative. We want somebody to just like have done it for us yeah. and we just go and buy it. Um, but there, there, there hasn't been one here. So I had to go through like 20 companies. I even used Melena and, uh, you know, she helped me out a lot. And we, we made a killer proposal at the end of the day, but there's no business that's doing it. And I think 
UAE, Dubai in general, so many people are traveling here like as a romantic destination. Yeah. There's more expats here than, than locals. So I think uh, doing something cute like that, it's, it'll be fun. You know, and a lot of people have been looking up to us and talking about our story. It's, I guess it's unique and it was trending, you know? Yeah. So it'll be fun. Cool. And when do you think that'll start? Next month. Oh, wow. Yeah. That quickly. Yeah, we've, we've been doing, uh, we've been working on it for two, three months now. We've already negotiated like uh, deals with our vendors and came up with all these crazy ideas. And uh, it'll be fun. Well, look. First of all, thank you for doing your first podcast in Dubai here with me because I know that you weren't overly keen to do it. But trust me, you shared loads of great stuff today and been really valuable. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us. Yeah, of course. I actually enjoyed it. Minus the first two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right now, though. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, man. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast with my buddy Mustafa. If you'd like to see more episodes, then maybe you want to click there and you can see so much more. But because you're awesome and you want to see everything that I do and you can't wait to just make sure that you get every notification that exists, click there. Okay, subscribe to the show, press the notifications bell, and we'll make sure that every piece of content that I produce will come directly to you so that you can enjoy every bit of it. Take care and I'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.